the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Today, we are discussing something interesting. I would advise you not to walk out before I'm done. Because there's stuff that I'll be teaching. Anyway, <laughs> the stuff that I'll be teaching. But first, let me start by telling you about a certain married couple. Apparently, they were arguing about who is making the coffee that morning. The wife said that in the Bible, it says men should make the coffee, and the husband asked where it said that. So the wife opened the Bible and said, right here in Hebrews. So... <laughs> Let's have one final one. <laughs> so, one of, our son, one of our Sunday school members told me about this one. It happened in their class. So, apparently, a teacher asked a pupil that if you had 10 kwacha and you asked your father for another 10 kwacha, how much would you have? And that pupil said, I would have 10 kwacha. So, the teacher said, You don't know mathematics. And the pupil replied, you don't know my father. (laughs) John chapter. (laughs) May you never be that parent. (laughs) I hope hope you haven't grown up into that stingy uncle. (laughs) John chapter 3. Okay, that's so funny. John 3, let's look at verse 16. Um, I've got a feeling one or two of you may be familiar with this verse, right? John 3, verse 16. Now, last week, I began telling you that we're now looking at the... We looked at the process of salvation, but we're now looking at the fruit of it. Like, what has your salvation actually given you? And, you know, I'm so honored to be able to teach you this stuff because ah, if there's ever been a teaching you needed, it's this one. I don't know how you've managed to live all your life without this teaching. You wonder as well when we're done. Now, this is the Lord Jesus preaching the gospel, right? And it says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, some versions say eternal life, right? Um, I think the Amplified says eternal everlasting life. So like you take your pick. I think a more accurate word is probably eternal life. Or maybe eternal everlasting life. Now, we're going to look at that. Why do we need to look at it? Because that's what he said we're going to receive. Notice, the aim of the Lord was not for us to just be believers. It was for us to be havers. It says, whosoever believes shall not perish but have. So it's not just ending on Jesus, I believe in you. There is something that our believing causes us to possess and causes us to have. And then this thing that we are caused to possess and to have is called eternal everlasting life. So we might as well discover what this eternal everlasting life is. Praise God. We'll get to that. But firstly, let's look at the kind of life that we have before the Lord Jesus. Hey. This everlasting life. And, and the Lord Jesus has so much 
conviction about it. Next week. Now for there to be life, there has to be a source. And when God made Adam, God breathed into him, he became a living soul. You find that in Genesis chapter 2. And God gave Adam the blessing that living souls have, which is the blessing to reproduce after their own kind. That's why locusts will give birth to locusts. I don't know why I've used locusts as an example. And it doesn't shock you when lions give birth to, don't say cubs, we know I mean baby lions. The fact is, lions give birth to lions. And goats give birth to, don't say kids, goats give birth to, <laughs> to goats, right? So Adam, here is Adam, God breathed into him, and then God gave them the blessing to reproduce after their kind. Now, Adam and Eve had, were placed in a very interesting place, in a garden. And in this garden had many trees. But have you noticed that there are only two trees whose names we know? And by the way, what Adam ate was not an apple. <laughs> you can call it an Adam's apple. So there are two trees in the garden that are mentioned. One of them is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other one, which is mentioned, is the tree of life. The tree of life is mentioned after they are banished from the garden. And if you've noticed what God said about the tree of life, if Adam ate from the tree of life, he would have become immortal. Meaning Adam was not necessarily created immortal. He probably didn't need immortality. But then God says, look, if this guy now eats from this tree, he's going to become immortal. And uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be touching through a lot of concepts, which is why over the next few months you should attend cell, because I think I'll send the breakdown of the notes there, because some of the stuff I'll be touching. So that's Genesis 3.22. Notice it says, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. The challenge is, if Adam ate of the tree, well in the state of the curse and in the state of sin, it meant he would have been an immortal sinner, like the devil is. Meaning there is no hope of redemption. So there was a tree of life. And there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And something happened to them. God had predicted what would happen if they ate from that tree. In Genesis 2.17, they were told that if they eat from that tree, they shall surely die. Now the question is, how did Adam die? What did he mean? Let's look at the verse exactly. It says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day, it doesn't say after a few months, it doesn't say after a few years, it says that particular day when you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now, how many years biologically did Adam live on earth? Somebody to shout the answer. Yeah, 930. <laughs> I think you find that in Genesis 5 verse 5. So the question is, what is death then according to God? Considering that Adam went on to live 930 years. Praise God. Are you following? 
we'll look at it based on what Adam then got to experience. So I want you to understand, um, we are talking about the life that Jesus brought, but before that, we must have an understanding of the life that Adam left us with. Number one, when Adam and Eve sinned, the quality of their life was significantly affected. Genesis three sixteen to 19. Let's look at this. To the woman he said, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall lord it over you. He shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Let's continue. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Uh -huh. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The quality of life for Abraham, for Adam, is suddenly significantly affected. And the earth is then designed in such a way that to eat the good out of it, it also takes something out of you. Have you noticed that sometimes what seem like helpful inventions on earth have ended up harming man. For example, isn't it that one of the best inventions at some point was the invention of leaded petrol? Because it helped. That's how cars started starting automatically, right? Before that, cars used to start, they were called automobiles then. You had to crank them for them to start. But that was very dangerous and then the best friend to the man who started the company, Cadillac, died while cranking a car. So the man became obsessed with changing the model of automobiles. Now, the fuel that ended up being used, which had lead in it, ended up being very dangerous. The guy who invented it ended up dying that way because there's only so much lead that the earth can have. If I'm not mistaken, in chemistry, whether it's physics, lead is as a result of uranium deteriorating over a long period of time, possibly billions of years, right? Which is why it's used when they are trying to calculate the edge of the earth. But then, okay, you look lost. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say. I've brought all that up just to say something. In inventing something useful, the earth gave back to him and said, okay, fine, have some lead, but okay, let me also use that lead to bring you this and bring you that and bring you this and bring you that. Why do you think your petrol now is called unleaded? It's very deliberate. It came from somewhere because the lead affected people. Have you noticed that to properly harness some of the things that are on the ground on earth, some of the minerals and all those things, to harness them to make money and live a better life, it will have to affect, it affects the earth somehow or it affects human beings somehow. I don't know if somebody is getting my point. My point is the ground was then designed to frustrate man. That's why you don't like going for work. <laughs> some of you don't like going for work. I know the rest of you do. But there's that one person who could cheat on a foot, yeah. Every Monday we just see statuses. So it's Monday again. The weekend needs an extra day. <laughs> you know the funniest one I saw last week? And how to look busy at work without actually working. <laughs> and apparently you must walk very fast. With the paper in your hands. Is that true? <laughs> so the earth became a source of frustration. Suddenly, the weather can affect your body. Bacteria 
can affect your body. I know there's positive and negative, but man can now have a susceptible body to sickness and all those things. Someone can now be allergic to sunflowers. Another person can be allergic to fish. All that was not in the original plan. I, I, I really want us to get that. I can go into details on that, but I need to go into my sermon. There's something else that also happened. Man was now separated from God. For man to interact with God, he now needed an altar, he needed this, he needed that, there was a separation. So let me just put it like this. Death to God is really separation. In the human sense, death is a separation from a person's, like a person's spirit and soul separates from their body. Then we'll call that person dead because their spirit and soul is not in their body. And so their body cannot function on earth the way it's supposed to because their spirit and soul is not in there. But then, um, in the spiritual sense, when our human spirit is separated from God, that is called death. That is called death. That's why, have you noticed that Jesus doesn't consider Abraham dead? Let's look at the scriptures. <laughs> Got the book of Mark. I just really want us to understand this. Mark 12. Let's look at this argument. Verse 22. Mark 12, give me 22. So, they are talking about a certain woman. She had, she had a challenge. The challenge is, uh, she, she like, all the men she kept marrying were dying. And so, she... A family of seven. They all died. So they asked Jesus a question. Now, the, yeah, let's, let's continue. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. This woman needed prayers. <laughs> Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as a wife. They were trying to test Jesus. Let's continue. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? Uh huh. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Uh huh. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. So, <laughs> the perspective from eternity is very different from the perspective of here. And if you are to study in the book of Revelations, you realize that the second death is being banished away from the presence of God forever. So, Adam was now separated from God, and this led to man having a God-sized hole. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 from verse 9 to 11. I just want us to see this. So number one, the earth becomes frustrating. To make it in life, you need to hustle and bustle and you need to, um, you need to kind of like um, have one grain of rice to start a restaurant. Uh, and I'm told there are people who stay at their restaurant with one grain of rice. <laughs> and that's why you find success stories are like cheered on because maybe they're not as common as everybody else thinks. And Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9, I want you to see this. Now, despite man doing all this hard work, all this hard work, they all end up miserable miserable you know sometimes I'm surprised eh? there was one time I was talking to somebody and they were against some of the things we were teaching in the context of some of the principles we believed in terms of marriage and they decided to refer to Hollywood and I said are you sure that's what you want to refer to 
I, 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 I do like to research on almost all kinds of people. And if you had to read Hollywood ones, almost, I don't know how, what percentage, whenever you read and you read their biography, if it's Wikipedia, there will even be a section for partner and then a bracket and Nas. And it's always in 2001, this one, in 2005, that one, in 2007, that one, 2008, that one. Why aren't they happy? And you can look around, even just around here. Why aren't people happy with what they have in several sectors? Sometimes you find some of the most corrupt people are already rich. As in some of the most corrupt people, as it stands, the money that they have, they can literally sit and never have to work again and they'll be comfortable with their children and some of their grandchildren. How come it just doesn't satisfy? Some of the most studious people, already educated, why do they keep studying? Why can't they leave it for some of us? I, I don't know if you're getting my point. To my papers, one billion already, but they already feel... I've, you haven't seen them posting statuses I've missed graduating. What's wrong with them? Why doesn't it satisfy? Look at Ecclesiastes 3, verse 9. It says, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? Uh -huh. I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Give me the amplified. Let's start from verse 9. I, I, I hope you're following. Hey. Ask your neighbor, what life do you live? What profit remains for the worker from his toil? I have seen the painful labor and exertion and miserable business which God has given the sons of men with which to exercise and busy themselves. And what is it? He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I want you to understand that the gentleman who was writing these things had achieved the American dream as it's called. The guy had all the women he could want, all the money he could want, all the fame he could want. And the guy just goes one day, ah, life is useless. <laughs> just think about that. After achieving everything, he says life is useless. Haven't you ever noticed that the level you admired, the moment you get to it, yeah. you want the next level as well? Haven't you ever observed that the money you thought was big money, the day you touch it, your budget is bigger than the money. Right? <laughs> no, like, no, money can be funny. You can be seated thinking, okay, Appa, if I just had, I think of an amount. One million. Like a one million. Uh -huh. Like a hundred pin. Like a, the moment you say, if I just had like a hundred pin, and then the moment you get that hundred pin, Suddenly, you've seen a property you want to buy for 150. <laughs> Before you know it, you're in debt of 50 pin. <laughs> and then the guy who just, who's just with his one pin is just very happy and not in debt. You are under pressure trying to pay back like a 50 pin. That's the way it's been designed because there's the God-sized hole. Because Adam experienced a separation from God. It means man will try to fill this hole with everything, 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 everything. Here's this guy. He told himself, okay, that girl is beautiful. I'm going to get her. She'll be mine. He gets her. All of a sudden, he's not treating her like he did when he was pursuing her. What are you trying to fill your heart in? And listen to me. There's no girl who will satisfy that hole in your heart. That hole needs the Lord Jesus. No, think about it. 
Do you remember that? I, I remember that woman in the book of John, the one that Jesus spoke to in John chapter four, the one who changed the topic. You remember her, right? The one who Jesus said, "Look, if you knew me, you would ask for the water that I have, because it springs into eternal life." Those are the words he used. And then, when she says, "Give me that water," he says, "Where is your husband?" And then she says, uh, "I don't have a husband," and he says, "Yeah, yeah, right." Because you've had five. And then the man that you're with now is not your husband. Now, why did Jesus say that? Do you think he was trying to embarrass her? No. Why did he say that? He was showing her that the water he was really talking about is that I'm pretty sure she never sat down and thought, one day I'll have five husbands. No. But she probably thought, the day I have a husband, I'll be fine. Before she knew it, she had five. Then she stopped marrying. Listen, there's nothing on earth, no matter how big, I'm not saying it, things won't be nice, they will be nice, but nothing has been designed to fully satisfy a man. That's why people are always expanding. That's why kingdoms always want other kingdoms. That's why millionaires want to be billionaires, and billionaires want to be trillionaires. Once upon a time, the most important thing in my life was passing grade 7. It was the most important thing that ever... It was all that mattered <laughs> at that point. I just wanted to pass grade 7. And specifically, I wanted to go to Majora Boys. And my dad had warned me. <laughs> I don't know if he used to receive such threats. I was warned. That if I don't make the cutoff point, I'm redoing it. <laughs> I said, hey. <laughs> In that area, you never used to smile with me. <laughs> and then when I passed it, the most important thing for me became passing grade nine. And I wanted to make it back to Mature Boys. And I was warned at home. I was warned, heavily warned, that if I don't make the cutoff point, <laughs> I'll redo it again. No, I'm serious. I was warned, sternly warned. Anytime I'm found watching TV, I hope you've been studying. <laughs> it's nearly the end of the term, and I'm told, leave these TVs and all these things aside. You will use them during the holiday. The holiday comes, why are you on the TV? <laughs> so let's just say I was warned vigorously. And then afterwards, the most important thing for me became passing my grade 12. And I really wanted to make it to Onza. The day my name came out on the list, my shoulders lifted. I was a different man. I was an as far as I was concerned, I was an intellectual. I said using words like the intelligentsia. <laughs> words that you even know there's a simpler word you can use for it. <laughs> if you knew how sometimes I sit down and four or five papers later, I still feel very uneducated sometimes. I'm serious. Very. So if that becomes a source of my satisfaction, then I'll only feel good for one hour when I'm doing a photo shoot. And that's it. And I'll start living life for that photo shoot. If the source of your satisfaction becomes the number of likes you get on Facebook, the day you don't get them, so people don't like me anymore. They don't like me the way they did three years ago. <laughs> and you know, these things sound simple. But have you ever been there where your previous profile picture got 1K likes? The next one, two zani. <sighs> why? There is a reason why you even have specific times when you post. Let's be honest. As much as we all say we don't like the likes and the like, why have you stopped posting low-quality photos taken from a Blackberry? It's because there is a certain way you want to be appreciated. But man then was separated from God and then had a hole in their heart and no matter how many things they try to fill them up with listen to me, you may be watching me, maybe listen to me even years from now or maybe after the rapture but nevertheless <laughs> <laughs> after the rapture run to the mountains Okay, before rapture, now you may be listening to me right now and you've tried to fill this void, there's that emptiness and you've tried to fill it with so many things. And God, listen, God knows that there are things that are important on earth for us to have. 
Now here is what I'm saying. No matter how good those things are, they'll never fully satisfy. None of them have been designed to fully satisfy. And then on the other hand, there are some who've tried to fill them with so many other harmful stuff, like you're harming your body, taking drugs and trying to feel a certain ecstasy of some sort. It's not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. The drugs, the alcohol, it's not helpful. There is a better way. I'm telling you, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Some of you are trying to find this satisfaction in being admired by the opposite sex. You admired and then what? Solomon had 1,000 people. Now, let's look at what Solomon said about this life. Let's, let's look at what Solomon said. Is somebody following me? Now, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2 to 4. Now, Solomon was given wisdom by God, right? And then the man began to, the Bible says he didn't deny himself anything he wanted. Everything he wanted, he got it. And primarily the scriptures are very open about the number of women he got. I think about a thousand. And because of them he started serving foreign gods. So he abandoned his relationship with God. The Bible says he was such a great leader and in his time there was peace, there was no war. And he made silver as common as sand. Didn't deny himself any of the pleasures. And then after he experienced them, look, this is what he says. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. And if you read verse 1, it shows you who the preacher is, right? The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, just in case. Yeah. So he says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Next verse. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away. Another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. And if you are to look at it from that sense, what he was saying, think about it. How many of you have heard of Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great, guys, come on. <laughs> you know, Alexander the Great died in his 30s, eh? How many of you have heard of... Uh, Musa, I've forgotten the other name, the king of Mali, the sultan of Mali, right? The guy who caused inflation, like he, he, he did a pilgrimage and it caused inflation in Egypt because he had so much gold. He never owned an iPhone. <laughs> All that gold is never taken a selfie. <laughs> What am I trying to say? At this point, he begins to look at life from the Adamic perspective, and he's thinking, what's the point? You come, 100 years later, there are other people. 50 years later, there are other people. Then the other 100 years, there are other people. Then there are other people. Then there are other people. Before you know it, you're in the year 2022. That, that's the way he began to look at it. Like, what's the point? And you know what's funny is this. That perspective of life shows the reason why a person should be born again. Here's why. Because what's the whole point of experiencing temporal pleasures when life on this earth has got an expiry date and then you're not securing your eternity? What's the whole point? So for him, he found it meaningless. He found it useless. And that's the life that he ended up describing. one of the reasons why there's a lot of people that are taking their lives because it means at that point they're finding it pointless but boy do I have a word for you <laughs> so Jesus finds people in this state and then he preaches 
And then think about this. Something is said about the Lord Jesus in the way he's introduced. Let's do memory verses. Let's do John 1. Let's go, everybody. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with him in the beginning. Through him were all things made, and without him was nothing made which was made. Now let's go this one. Let's go. Uh -huh. Come here. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> have you memorized John 1? <laughs> okay, 1, 2, 3, let's go. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What kind of life is being spoken about here? Surely, is this the life Solomon described? Or is there something else? It says, in him was life. So, what was in the Lord Jesus? Life. And what did that life do to men? It brought light. And then that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. The life that man had been living, that man inherited from Adam, brought darkness. But we're told about Jesus, and we're told in him was life. And that life was light. Let's continue. <laughs> this life is even called the gift of God. Look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is life eternal. Are you beginning to look at it now in the scriptures? Let's look at it. Let's look at it. And this life is the purpose why Jesus came. Come on. Again, memory verses. John 10, verse 10. Uh -huh. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that ye may have life and life in abundance. Now, for him to say, I've come that he may have life, it means before him, the life that he's talking about was not there. There's another one that people were experiencing from their Adam. But then there is a second Adam who's got the, his own life that he gives. And that's the reason why people have to be born again. Because for life to happen, there has to be a birth. So now for the second life to come into place, there has to be a birthing. So he says, I have come that ye may have life. And not just life, but life in abundance. Okay, let's, let's get some definitions before next week, because next week I'll focus more on that. The Greek word for life, let's hear it. For this life Jesus is describing is zoe. Z-O-E. I got me zoe, zoe. Now they're going to <laughs> depending on which part <laughs> so the Greek word is zoe now let's just look at something for starters that's not the only Greek word for life in the Bible in the New Testament specifically there are two other Greek words used for life the first one is bios bios this refers to the life of the physical body. And this is where the English word biology comes from. So bios, B-I-O-S. If you've missed the spellings or missed any of these things, they'll be discussed deeper in the cell groups. <laughs> so the Greek word is bios. And you can, an example is Luke 8.14. Parable of the sower. Luke 8.14. It says, 8, not 18. It says, and that which fell into the thorns, these are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of bios. Pleasures of life there, it's bios. It's the Greek word bios. The ones I was referring to, Another Greek word that is used for life is suche. P-S-U-C-H-E. And this refers to like your soul. Like your soulish state. Matthew 16, 25. Suche, that's like your soul. Matthew 16, 25 is the word suche. 
It says, for whoever desires to save his suche will lose it. But whoever loses his suche for my sake will find it. So when you understand it from the Greek, you understand that Jesus was not saying there that people should go and kill themselves. He was saying they should lay down their soul for him. They should love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul. Then there is the one we're interested in. The word Zoe. And I'll give you the definition, then we'll go into details next week. Here is an example of where it's used. So, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have Zoe. That's John 3.16, Zoe. Let me give you one more. First John 1, verse 1 to 2. got the life of God in me. In every fiber of my being. Now, 1 John 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning. So when I say Zoe, you've gotten it. It means life, right? And this is the third one. It says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of Zoe. Next verse. That the Zoe was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that Zoe which was with the father and was manifested to us. Verse 3. That which we have seen you heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly your fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What John is saying is, look guys, he says, we met Zoe. As in, as in <laughs> that Zoe which was talked about in John 1, the one for in him was life and that life was the light of men. That life walked on earth. We met, we greeted each other with life. We took walks with life. We ate fish with life. And then we saw what that life did when it interacted with death. We saw what that life did when it interacted with sickness. We saw what that life did when it interacted with broken heartedness. We've seen what that life can do because that life came in human form. And then he's saying, and we're declaring this to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Meaning, you can also come into this life. And the word you say is Zoe. Even when he says in John 10, I've come that he may have life. The word you say is Zoe. Here's the definition of Zoe, which we'll give you for today. And then we'll go into the teaching next week. The absolute fullness of life. Now, Usually it's described as eternal life, right? Now, let me tell you why people describe it as eternal everlasting life. Because if you have to look at the word Zoe, it's like saying life, then you add life, then you add life, then you add life. So it's like life over and 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 over. So eventually you just say, okay, everlasting. Or you say eternal. Otherwise, it's not necessarily meaning living forever. That's just the quality of it. It's not just living forever. Otherwise, it would be no different from what the demons are currently enjoying <laughs> until that day. Because, you know, when you say die by fire, they don't necessarily die. Uh, scripture. So, <laughs> no, I'm just being honest. <laughs> they, they, they don't die. <laughs> Now, listen to this. I'll, I'll read out from one um, commentary that I appreciated. Eternal denotes not only duration of time, which is everlasting without end, but also quality, which is absolutely perfect and complete, without any shortage or defect. Such an expression emphasizes the eternal nature of the divine life the life of the eternal God. The apostles saw this eternal life and testified and reported it to the people. Their experience was not of any doctrine, but of Christ, the Son of God, as the eternal life. And their testimony and preaching were not of theology or biblical knowledge, but of such a solid life. Here's another one. Distinguished from bios, physical life, 
of which zoe is a nobler word. These are Greek scholars telling about the word zoe. Expressing of the highest and best which Christ is and he gave to the saints. The highest blessedness of the creature. What really is this eternal life? Is it just living forever? Is, because sometimes, you know the way people read John 3.16? They read it as, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not go to hell, but go to heaven. That's how they read it, but that's not what it says. Why would Jesus make statements like this one? Let me show you one. As the final one for today. John 11. Should we ignore such aspects of the Bible? John 11, let's look at verse 24. I've noticed sometimes what causes unbalanced believers is that they want to acknowledge the part of the Bible which acknowledges you being thirsty, but they don't want to acknowledge the part where Jesus said you will never thirst again. Now, if you don't acknowledge both, you won't understand the differences in what you have to thirst for and what you're not to thirst for. And you find people being hungry for what they have. <laughs> and you know, because this teaching has not been taught, sometimes, you know, there's a song I like, and I like it. I've got its own context, it's the way I like it. And so I once heard like the singer singing it and you know, they went to that part where they were adding on words and they say, I've been running on empty. Like, We've got different theological interpretations there. Who says you ever have to become empty a day in your life? The Holy Spirit is not like a substance that reduces and finishes. No, he's not. And you know, it's that limited understanding that makes people so covetous for material things to symbolize the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many times I've been in my office, somebody has come, they've gotten healed, and then the moment they are done being healed, they want me to give them some water or some oil. Now, I'm not speaking about anyone else or anywhere else where it's done. I'm talking to City of the Lord Church. And I ask them, so I give it to you, then what happens when it finishes? It means the more it's finishing, for you, your God is finishing. And that's why you find sometimes people just end up having a home which is more like a shrine, not knowing that their body has got the fullness of his fullness we've received, grace upon grace. I don't know if somebody is getting my point. Imagine, why would somebody think uh, demons will run away because you put a post on the door? What will I do? I'm at home, chilling. Or what if the poster can get part of the anointing? Didn't that happen with Paul? The Bible says handkerchiefs and aprons, right? You know, it's very interesting when you read that scripture. You should read it. You find it interesting that Paul wasn't distributing handkerchiefs and aprons. They got them from him. And then if you want to know what Paul really did, I can tell you. You can read from Romans 1.11. It says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Meaning, Paul would rather have anointed people than anointed handkerchiefs. <laughs> Those things are okay. But they are not the fullness. They are not the fullness. John 11. Let's look at verse... The church... The church Jesus Christ is coming for is not a church that will all be fighting to like get apostles down because that's where the anointing is. It's not a church Jesus is coming for. I would have failed, I would have failed in my duty. The church Jesus is coming for is where when we say testimony time, we don't know who to put. Because that one, and then you find the testimonies are not just what they've received, it's what they've done. The Bible says, no, notice Jesus' church. The, the, the people he sent came back to report what they had done. Meaning Peter's testimony was not just about the fish that Jesus helped him get. His testimony then became, you know what, I went in that area. I casted out devils. That, 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 that's the church the Lord Jesus is coming for. Martha said to him, I know, now, let's start from verse 23. I'll leave this one as a mystery and we're done. But let's just think, what was Jesus saying? 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Uh-huh. Martha said, I know that he will rise again. In the resurrection, sometimes you can answer the Lord with doctrine. In the resurrection, at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Like you're waiting for a day when I'm here. <laughs> the one who makes that day the day of the resurrection is me. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. What is he? The life. The what? The Zoe. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's very good, right? Well, look at the next verse. I'll leave that one to you. And whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked. Notice. First he says, he who believes in me, though he dies, will live. And then he says, whoever believes in me shall never die. That's why there are some so-called wise statements you should reject. Choose, choose who you are with. No, don't you know with every birthday it's a step closer to your death. What are you talking about? You don't know that there's a generation that will just transition. Like... You don't know that there is a generation. Listen, our fathers in the faith have worked hard enough for this generation to come to pass. We can rely even on the faith that they had. For them to produce, a generation always produces a greater generation. Maybe, I, I don't know if you allow me to speak very boldly, but maybe they can be a generation who, in its time, they'll just go. <laughs> they'll just say, okay, guys. Gather, we need to have a conversation. And the conversation is uh, so here's the way it is. I want this like this, 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 like this. Tomorrow I'm going. Okay. We've all received the witness of the spirit. We look forward to meeting you on the other side of the sweet by and by. These um you can take your seats. When I was starting to pastor, I said something to God. I'll tell you very openly. I said, God, I don't like funerals. And if there is a topic I didn't pay attention to in Bible school, it's a topic for funerals. Because I didn't start it to conduct them. So I sat and I said, what can I do? Because I don't want to be conducting funerals. Of which so far I've conducted one. So I asked him, what can I do? And I heard him audibly speak, saying, have you heard of Kenneth Hagin? I said, yes. And he told me, do what he did. So I went and listened. Kenneth Hagin pastored for 12 years. In the 12 years he pastored, he never buried a single member. Because this is what he taught them. And when it was time for Kenneth Hagin, and that's why I'm not, in case any of you have been having plans that maybe sickness will take you, or not, no, none of you, none of you, do you know some of the bold prayers we make sometimes? We pray, Lord, the, the moment the person is just feeding in the form, the grace upon this ministry will preserve them. Some of you don't know days and months when you've been preserved because of the grace that's upon this ministry. Someone would ask, Pastor, what if someone came to this ministry and perhaps they came to this ministry and they already have a condition that will shorten their life. There's another life we know. And you know what? As we're teaching this, we're going to take some time to minister life to people. Pastor, what if they came very old? Moses started his ministry at 80. <laughs> There's still time. Abraham, at Moses at the age of 120, his eyes were strong. So in case, let me just tell you in advance, I'm not planning on burying any of you. None of you. And I speak life over you right now in the name of Jesus. I speak life in Jesus' name. I communicate life to your bones, life to your bloodstream, life to your mind. I declare a hedge of fire around you, a hedge of fire around your possessions. You are protected as you drive. You are protected as you fly. You are protected everywhere you go in the name of Jesus. 
Somebody say, in him was life. If there's, been, if there's anything dead in your body. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Meaning, I'm the comeback to life. If there's any organ that's been dying. If there's any organ that's not functioning well. Life, <laughs> life can replace. Life can recreate. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak life. I speak life. I speak life. Cancer, go. In the name of Jesus. Anything in your body that's been dying. Anything in your body that's been decaying. I speak life. Anything in your soul. Anything in your mind. That's been decaying. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Life. 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 Anything in your blood that is harmful. In the name of Jesus. Today it meets life. Today it meets a Zoe. It meets life. In him was life. In him was life. In him was life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Check on what's happening there. Take your seats. We're almost done. Can we just give this two, three more minutes? There's life ministering to people. Lift your hands and allow life to minister to you. And Everyone, just lift your hands and just say, Lord, I'm open. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm open. Just for a minute, just say, I'm open. She's well. It's done. Done. Never again. You know what? You know what I'm imagining? Imagine like one moment in this environment called God. <laughs> and he says light be like how much life is in him that he could create the ground and the ground could bring forth the ground could literally bring forth the waters could bring forth how much life is in him and you know what I'm sensing? I'm sensing an atmosphere where when we interact in this environment of life. I had another dream the other day and I saw, I think we had two or three people whose ears were completely deaf and they all started hearing. And I knew God has increased us in the miraculous. Let's end here for today. Is there any person in this place who doesn't have this life in them? They're not born again. And perhaps you've been searching and searching and longing and longing and trying to fill it up with so many different things. And yet only God alone can satisfy you. Some of you may have been brought up on the right path, but perhaps you strayed away. And today you're saying, Lord, 
this is the way for me. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. This is the path I want to return to. So if any of you is in those categories, time has already gone, so I can't take too long. I'd want you to raise your hand very, very quickly. Just raise your hand. I'll give you a minute. Is there anyone here who wants to be saved today? Is everyone around us born again? Okay. If we're all saved, then that's fine. I want you to say after me, if you're watching, and you love to say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I confess you as my Lord. And from this day, I'm born again. Amen. Now, it's very important that if you say this prayer, we take account of you. Because there's a way we want to nature you and help you. Is there anyone who that prayer applied to them here from saying it? Maybe you are too shy to come to the front. We really need to account for you. So just raise your hand and somebody will come to you. We have to take account of you. Is there anyone in this place? Okay. Lovely. I just have to make sure because I have to be a responsible steward. Thank God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's like we've only just started knowing about eternal life. Seems like this is when we're experiencing the snippets. I pray in the name of Jesus that we grow in this revelation. Now, Lord, I ask, let that life of God do that which it's supposed to do in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies. And as we go on this journey of discovering eternal life, I pray in the name of Jesus that we'll have faith for it. Not just faith for living forever, but faith in the quality of life that the Lord Jesus promised. And we reject anything. We reject anything that does not align to it. Now I bless your people. I bless their weak. I bless their weak in the name of Jesus. I declare this your week of testimonies. I declare this your week of solutions. In the name of Jesus, I've prayed. Amen.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on the City of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay